We are going. Okay, cool. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. How do we do, Dustin? Yeah, it's going pretty okay. Uh, it's been a busy week. Looking to move to a new apartment this weekend, so lots of packing, lots of uh, getting everything in order. How are you doing, Kane? Yeah, good, good. A few people have been moving house recently. Um, yeah. I hope it all, I hope it all kind of goes goes to plan. I've been looking at houses myself, just out of mm. sheer sort of. Uh, every now and then, I go through periods of sort of like looking at what's on the market and and mm-hmm. seeing what's going on. So I've been doing a lot of house house hunting without the real intention to buy. But uh, but yeah. So when when is it this weekend? Is it? It is this weekend, yeah, yeah. When I was in New York talking about house hunting, uh, I would go in Craigslist in the middle of the country and see how much of a house I could get for how much I was paying in rent in New York. And it was always like a five-bedroom house with a huge backyard and three parking spaces or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's probably not not healthy for the, the mental health, but it was a good, good fantasy of uh, getting away and actually being able to afford some space. It's the same. It's the same. I look at houses up in uh, in Teesside where I'm from, and it's like for the for the price of even for this house, for the price you just get something unbelievable. You know, it's like it's totally different. It's weird how houses can have such a vari- variation in terms of how much yeah. they can pay for it. But uh, yeah, but well, best of luck with the old move. And uh, yeah, yeah, welcome we everybody of, joining us. Yeah, got so a lot I, of good news today, huh? Yeah, yeah, there's things going on. It doesn't seem to stop this uh this voice situation, conversational AI situation seems to be uh picking up steam as always and uh, yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh before we kick off this episode as all episodes are in June is sponsored by Project Voice Catalyst. Uh if you are working in the industry, close to the industry and you want to try and find either people to help you out with voice and conversational AI projects or if you're working on voice and conversational AI projects and you want to meet other companies who might be interested in working with you then check out project voice catalyst it's put together by bradley metrock and his team at score publishing um for those of you familiar with this week in voice the podcast that's bradley for those of you that have ever been to the alexa conference or what's now project voice uh then that's bradley and his team as well so if you are interested uh, then do email ray at scorepublishing.us r-a-y at scorepublishing.us if you want to meet companies uh, that are interested potentially in your services or if you are interested in finding people who can provide them services as well then do do reach out on with the show dustin what's been That's going it. on what's been going on this week what's your your highlight from a conversational ai perspective of the week just gone yeah, I think for me, this is one that I've been closely actually involved with uh, the past few months is some news that was announced this morning, which is OpenAI has released what they're just simply calling the API. Uh, <laughs> they don't have a name for it. Uh, they're just simply calling it the API. Uh, are you are you familiar with OpenAI, Ken? Um, I am from the, our discussions, but for those that yeah. might not be, do you want to give us a bit of a raw overview of what it is? Yeah, OpenAI is an interesting company. It's taken a bit of a meandering path to where it is today. Their goal essentially, um, as I understand it, is general AI. So the idea of general AI is one day, perhaps, if you've seen you know any robot movie, if you've seen like AI late 90s era or, or anything else, you've got a, an AI that can perform pretty much any task uh, that a human can do and, and probably more as well. We're not there, or we're very far from there, but that is, again, as I understand it, their goal. 
uh, it's not uh, fortunately or unfortunately as simple as just saying, hey, we're going to build general AI. There are steps in between. So mm. OpenAI has released a lot of technology in the past and open sourced it. Uh, things like uh, GPT-2, which is their natural language generation uh, framework. And then uh, last week or the week before, GPT-3. And uh, this is incredibly powerful stuff. And the a the API that they just announced is something that allows people to do that without having to train it themselves, without having to train it themselves and still get the advantage, get the benefit of the uh, billions and billions of inputs that OpenAI is using to train these models. So if you are building a, any kind of conversational agent, then essentially you can use this NLU to help you figure out what it is what it is that people are, are actually saying based on their training data of masses and masses of amounts. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So they're actually doing a couple of things. They're both doing the input and the output handling. So they have some natural language understanding where they can tell you, hey, you know, this information is the one that best answers your question. And that's actually why we've been working with it Algolia for the past few months is we are integrating it with our search so that you can ask a question and and get an answer back. Just like on Google, where you ask a question like, uh, how long can I leave chicken out of the fridge? And you get that box up top that just gives you the answer. You know, we, that's what we're doing with Algolia with OpenAI. But they're also doing natural language generation as well. So this this stuff is pretty, pretty wild when it works. And it doesn't work all the time. But when it does, it's pretty crazy um, where you can essentially seed it with some information, not through training, but at, um, at generation time. And it will generate the text back for you. So a few weeks back, I needed I needed fake books. I needed titles. I needed, um, I needed titles and I needed descriptions as well. So I was able to create some of those titles uh, automatically just by giving it an author name and a genre. So for example, I was able to create a self-help book called, Hello, You're Not a Terrible Person. <laughs> yeah. That's and a pretty then, good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of these book titles, I had to go and confirm that they weren't actually books. Because wow. I was like, this is, uh, this is pretty amazing. And then further... Um, I was able to give it a little bit of seeding for a description as well. And so these were these were ones where I worked a little bit less often, uh, but still about 50 to 60 percent of the time, it would come back with a review of the book or a synopsis of the book. And I'd go, yeah, that's probably what that book is about. Wow. That's, you could almost probably, that's probably how you, how books might be written in future. That sounds like a good idea. I think I'll write that one, you know, (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I suppose that for those people who are working on, if if anyone's ever built a chatbot, then you'll be aware that people don't always use it for what it's intended for necessarily. It's different if you've got, say somebody phones up the company then they have a very specific need, a very specific use case. The conversation is likely to be constrained. Whereas a chapter on a website, people are still in that kind of mode where they either give, handle it, you know, throw out a load of abuse. You know, we were talking to Deborah Harrison about how they handle abuse in chatbots and things. Or uh, they just want to ask it random questions like, will you marry me? Or, or just things that aren't in scope of that conversation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's one of the hardest parts is, is, is that to cater for that, you could be designing stuff forever. Do you think that that's, 
an app, another application of this would be to use it almost as as a way of handling some of the the kind of like conversations that might exist in in a in a conversational AI scenario that are outside the scope of the the narrative. Or, or do you think that's where the the kind of riskiness comes in? Because I know a lot of them have got in trouble for turning naughty. <laughs> I, I think that might be even actually thinking too small game. I, I think well, this, I think potentially it is handling all of the requests, not just the out of balance requests, but potentially all of the requests. Because again, you can, uh, you can overload it with some information about essentially what you want it to sound like. Uh, so another thing that I've seen them be able to do is to, to generate tweets. And so you can feed it in uh, 10, 15, 20 tweets as, as sort of like generation time training. And what you get back is, uh, sounds exactly like that person. And again, uh, now there's still some things where you go, okay, like I can sort of tell that's an AI, but there's a lot of times where you can't at all. And if you combine this with the, the searching side of it, you can easily have this or easily, uh, you can a lot more easily have this interaction where I say, hey, bot, um, how, many, how many calories did I have last Thursday? And it can come back and go, you know, last Thursday you had 2,212 calories. So it can find the information and then it can assemble it into a response based on that language, that, that tone of voice that you, that you say it should. Mm. Interesting. So essentially, it's almost like it's all it's it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds as though it's getting to the point that we've kind of alluded to and, and we've kind of heard people allude to in terms of at some point, the AI is going to get so sophisticated that the need to design a conversation almost starts to become kind of not as needed. If it's generating natural language and, and that kind of speech is in line with the kind of response that it needs to have, then the the whole kind of design process of, of designing a conversation seemingly erodes, does it? Maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe a little bit less so, but probably it doesn't go away entirely because, again, you still have to say, you know, this is the tone of voice that we want to use. This is the path that, that people generally want to go down. It might turn into a more technical role than it is today uh where today really is uh, writing a, a script writing strings and that's a, that's not all it is but that's a large part of it it might be something where in the future if you are a conversational designer you do need to understand a lot more about machine learning not necessarily implementing it but what goes into it what's how do you get the the best results out of it so that might be one change but i don't really see conversation design going away entirely because you still do have to train that machine learning. Mm. That's interesting. And, and and obviously there's there's far broader applications of it other than putting it into a, a conversational agent. I mean, you mentioned they're generating book titles and stuff like that. And one of the, one of the things I think that some companies uh, either struggle with or have capacity issues with is things like generating content, creating content and, and coming up with different ideas for content, writing it, publishing it, all that kind of stuff. And, and this could be used potentially in that instance to generate a whole host of different content ideas with descriptions, with a starting point, and possibly even in future, you might even be able to just, you might not get away with it entirely because I think that some of them, some of the responses that comes back, as you say, you can tell it's an AI and it doesn't all make total perfect sense, but it can take you 20, 30% of the way there potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing about this is that OpenAI is, is a little, 
uh, skittish or cognizant or aware, however you want to describe it. Uh, they famously or infamously didn't release their GPT-2 model right away because they were afraid of, of what people could do with it. And it's the same thing with the API as well. The API right now is uh, is gated. It's not available to everyone. And I think that might actually be how it is for the foreseeable future. And they've already stated that if somebody comes in and is using the model to create comet spam or or phishing or whatever, that they're going to kick us, kick them off, and not kick us, obviously, <laughs> kick them off the platform. It must be hard to police that because that's the issue, isn't it? Is that there's been so many stories of of bots going rogue um, and you know turning turning sour or whatever and, and things like that. And it's like it sounds as though they're working on some of the most sophisticated AI on the planet. Um, and so the risk is exponentially increased, isn't it? When you when you if you just release that to the public, it's kind of like I suppose the challenge is how do you how do you monitor it? yet at the same time keep it open. You know what I mean? It's almost as if it doesn't seem to me as though that's the, the goal of that company it wasn't necessarily to create tooling for everyone else to use. It was like, can we create a general AI? And then it's like yeah. they've almost got like now they've, they've essentially got like an admin issue, haven't they? A management issue if they start releasing stuff. Like how the hell do you keep on top of stuff like that? Yeah, I think they're going to keep it small. Uh, they they reference that Disney quote, which you may have heard before. The uh, we don't make movies to make money; we make money to make movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for them, I think it's we're not making AI to make money; we're making money to make AI. So mm-hmm. uh, they haven't had a product until now, and so this is uh, their opportunity to start bringing in revenue to power what they really want to do. Wow! So so that's what is it on a on a you just pay for, pay for using the AI based on how much you use it or a membership fee for actually use, getting access or how does that work? So that is, I believe, still be to be determined by OpenAI. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't have uh, too much detail that uh, that I have or that I can provide on that one, but mm-hmm. but we'll see. Cool. Nice. Well, it's uh, it's interesting stuff, and 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 company a company who has um, not necessarily built everything totally themselves because we have come to light and we've learned recently that um, this is all built on Microsoft Azure AI services. But the BBC uh, voice assistant was released. The long-awaited BBC voice assistant yeah. uh, was released in beta, a small kind of public beta last week, back end of last week, I think it was. Um, and if you are on, uh, if you're Windows, is it the Windows 10 uh, early access program or something, something like that, then you then you can use it. Um, so I haven't used it myself, uh, but you know I've spoke to a few people that have, and apparently it is really really good and we'll 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 have a bit of a chat about it but first i'll show you a little for those that haven't seen it or heard it i'll play you a little clip of uh, of what it sounds like because the 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 voice i know you haven't heard this yet doesn't so i'm keen on hearing what you think Mm -hmm. about this the the voice that they've built essentially is interesting so this is this is what it sounds like sorry kane we're not getting that no we're not having it okay there we go what can i do Yeah. I'm new, so I can't do everything. But you can ask me to play any of the BBC's radio stations, shows, and music mixes. Or if you're curious like me, you might like a BBC podcast. You can also ask me for the weather or the latest news and sport. Why not give it a try by saying, OK, Beeb, update me? 
How does how do you about that? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Obviously, that kind of thing, uh, the welcome message, I assume, is is a little massage to, to be really good. So I'd be interested to hear how that voice is for reading the news or things mm. like that. But, but yeah, that's good. It's not bad. I, 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 I heard that it took them a hell of a long time and effort to do that, to get it to sound uh, like that. Apparently, it's, it's a... They wanted it to be southern, but not... No, no, they didn't want it to be southern, but they didn't want it to be northern. So they tried to give it an accent that you can't quite place that has a southern tone with northern twang, which okay. might be how I end up sounding if I lived down here for too much longer. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that... that uh, I know they put a lot of time and a lot of effort into that um, to get it to sound like that. And obviously the capability is, is one thing, the sound of it is another thing, but it's interesting that maybe we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the strategy behind it uh, in a sec but the, that's the most obvious thing is how it sounds and it's interesting to to see how much because I know they've been working on it for months that voice and it's mm. interesting to see how, how much kind of they've gone through to to create something that is unique um, yeah. which it is because there's no other voice assistant that sounds anything like that is there mm-hmm. and, and what can it do you also mentioned you said that people haven't heard it or seen it is there a visual component as well the, the only the um essentially there's a bit of a design to the if you use it in in microsoft there's like a i know you can't see this but in fact actually you can because i can share my screen let's try that shall we yeah this is a first this is a first here we go let's see if it works we're getting interactive on the old uh on the live broadcast can mm-hmm. you see this it says you've started screen sharing but not there we go now right. we can see it there you go yeah, so yeah. oh that's, that's cool that was, i'll play that again um so this is how it looks like it didn't get started till a bit later that's why it was taking a while but this is the this is the interface here i'm new so i can't do everything but you can ask me to play any of the bbc's radio stations shows and music mixes so it's almost or like if a... you're curious like me you might like a bbc podcast you can also ask me for the weather or the latest news and sport. Why not give it a try by saying, okay, Beeb, update me. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, for, yeah, the, for the people who are, who are listening on the podcast, not watching it live, uh, it's, it's a little till, it's a little purple. It's not what I would imagine from the BBC. Um, BBC, I imagine, is a little uh, stead. It's a little old school it's the black and white logo uh and so it's interesting to see that this is you know quite a different mm. different uh different design different uh, even the name beeb like it's a it's a it's a chummy type of name yeah yeah it's more pally isn't it i think yeah. <laughs> i think they um i think they're going through a little bit of a re not a re, not well maybe it's a rebrand i mean if you look at that uh BBC iPlayer it's got a lot of these swooshes and gradients and stuff like that and then if you look at the BBC Sounds app that's a lot more kind of like uh, a bit more street and hip kind of thing so it sounds as though there's a bit of a neat or looks as though there's a bit of an evolution going on uh, in terms of the, the brand image and stuff um, and, I, and obviously I think that with the BBC people come into contact with it quite like every day essentially you know so I think that it's more a case of given that now they're investing a lot in podcasts they're investing a lot in kind of like more audio content obviously they're doing a whole load of stuff with Alexa with kids and interactive kids and stuff like that so it's like yes it's serious yes it's news 
but it's also entertainment, it's comedy, it's kids. It's yeah. So I think they're, they're almost trying to be a bit more approachable rather than that kind of, you know, the faceless kind of public body. It almost seems as though they're trying to be a bit more friendly. And I think that this, you know, the the, the voice and the, the image and stuff like that, can I think it might help them help them do that. Uh, and why do you think they're doing this, Kane? It's a, it's a lot of investment, obviously. Yeah. It's... So what the BBC believe is that voice interfaces, voice platforms, voice technology is going to be the way that people consume BBC content in future. Um, they're not doing it um, from th- they've published this kind of stuff. I've heard people from the BBC talk about this kind of stuff and I've had t- talks internally with people that work there. But this is all public knowledge essentially is they they believe that access to the BBC is going to come from voice devices more and more and more. If you look at some of the stats that they have on, on the skills, it's like 12 million sessions a month and stuff like that on the radio and stuff like that. So they, they've if, if, if anyone's got the data that's giving them a, a good sign I think it's them and so but at the same time if you think about the BBC they're a public public funded organisation um, they're almost duty bound to serve the taxpayer in whatever whatever form they are they, they, they need them to be um, and so at the, but at the same time it's like it's the same thing as um, Apple News. So the BBC will publish through Apple News because they kind of have to, because that's where people are going for their news. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Apple News control who sees what. So mm-hmm. so you lose the direct connection with the user because there's an aggregator playing the intermediary role. And it's the same for, for lots and lots of content uh, organizations or news organizations, especially news. You know, you go to the news outlets, they aggregate the stories, they then determine what users see, and then you lose control of the of the of the relationship. And so, I think part of it's that as well is that if if they create an assistant and they have the capability to put it anywhere, then they can keep establishing the relationship, the one on one relationship with the user. And yes, they'll serve it through Alexa, and Alexa will intermediate that relationship, and they'll do the same through Google. But what's to stop them kind of putting it built in? To TVs, putting it built into radios and and things like that, you know. And so I think that it's a long term play, but I think part of it is I think they feel a bit duty bound to make sure that they are relevant, make sure that they are showing that they are in the places where people are, because people are paying a license fee to to have access to them, and at the same time wanting to control the relationship directly with with users. Uh, I think that's the that's the that's the reasoning behind it. I would think. Um, yeah, and we're seeing a lot of companies do this, uh, maybe not building out a full assistant uh, like Beeb, but certainly building an assistant for their own brand. So certainly BBC, we talked about Spotify doing this as well. Uh, there's another news article this week about Flipkart doing the same. So it's interesting to see that uh, Alexa, Assistant, Siri were gateways for a lot of these brands. And now a lot of these brands want to have their own. And, and a lot of them are certainly scoped. So uh, Spotify is, is right now at least scoped within the app. Flipkart as well, I believe, is scoped maybe within the websites or mm-hmm. within the app. But it's moving off these other platforms, or maybe not moving off these other platforms, but uh, giving the Assistant where the platforms aren't. Yeah, I think that's the the what I reckon. What we'll look back on in 
five or ten years time is what you just said in terms of Alexa being an enabler Google Assistant being an enabler there's been stats for a long time you know ever since we started this stuff the first studies that were ever done I think were showing that those that have a smart speaker use the assistant on their mobile more since having a smart speaker and so they're obviously training wheels for voice and there's there's a stat coming from uh, Salesforce that, that was looking at um who expects to be able to interact with a brand or a company via voice and 18% of generation Z um is it generation Z or yeah generation Z isn't it yeah 18% of generation Z apparently um expect to be able to interact with a, with a company based on on a voice interaction and that's obviously going to increase and as that kind of happens you know you look at your website you look at your app you look at your phone you look at any all of the different places that these assistants are going to pop up in train station you know terminals ticket units click and collect machines you know tvs fridge freezers whatever it is and it's like there's going to be so much abundance and the expectation to just talk and get whatever you need to get done done or access whatever you need to access that it kind of makes sense for for the right type of brand at the right type of scale mm-hmm. to invest in their own stuff because fundamentally what what we're actually talking about and this is the stuff that, that we discuss ourselves uh, in terms of the work that we do and the clients that we work with etc is that you you you're designing a conversation that's the that's the fundamentals of it all isn't it you're designing an interaction between a user and and a company that, that is centered on dialogue natural language and once you understand what them conversations are and you understand how you can fulfill them with access to your line of business systems once you've built that that can then go anywhere you know and the yeah, tools yeah. that exist now you, are there to be able to put it anywhere whether that's in Alexa or Google Assistant or whatever and so I think that we're going to see a whole lot more than that and we're probably going to look back mm-hmm. in 5-10 in years and, and see, think that you know Alexa or Google Assistant have, have been the, uh, part of the drivers yeah yeah and uh, we're um We've got some more news to to cover, but we're about halfway through. So if anybody's on LinkedIn and they have some news that that we haven't covered yet and you think we should, definitely drop that in the comments. So going back to what we mentioned earlier about Flipkart, you had shared this article about Flipkart and, and them building their own assistant. What is this? Yeah, so um, Flipkart, we were kind of discussing beforehand, weren't we? Flipkart uh, uh, exists in uh, India, e-commerce platform, Huge. What what were the numbers? Did you say six billion? Uh, it's, uh, six, six billion uh, U.S. dollars in revenue in 2019. They have a 20 billion dollar valuation after Walmart acquired a 77 percent controlling stake in 2018. Yeah, yeah. So so huge, huge company, um, and they have just um, introduced a voice assistant on their platform um, and essentially the it will allow people to actually make purchases so via your voice you'll be able to to transact essentially presumably you'll need to be logged in to the account to do that and it but essentially if you're logged in you're authenticated you can end up you can actually transact so we've seen we've seen a lot of, of examples of where voice capability are a kind of a- enabling the front end of the experience, you know, even Algolia potentially at the moment can fit into that bracket. Voices will fit into that bracket. Even Siri itself, I know it's a voice assistant, but more often than not, Siri just plays the first part of the journey, which is I need something. Can you find me and point me in the right direction? Whereas this is kind of one of the first examples, certainly on on e-commerce or on the financial side of a voice assistant that will actually be able to allow you to, to transact. 
which I think is interesting on on the web, not through you know the the platforms. Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, it's interesting to note. I think a couple of things. India, from my understanding, is a lot more mobile driven than is perhaps desktop mm-hmm. uh, desktop driven. So that may be one thing here. Another thing is. Flipkart's biggest competitor in India is Amazon. Yeah. So Flipkart is certainly not going to 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 go on Alexa and be on that um, on that service. Another interesting thing to note here is is perhaps the the aspect of the Walmart angle as well. Yeah, uh, is is Walmart open to to doing stuff like that? I know Walmart is on Google Assistant, I believe, uh, for Walmart uh, grocery. And perhaps more as well, uh, not on Alexa, from what I understand. And Walmart has added their own forays into conversational as well in the past with uh, things like Code Aid, which became Jet Black, which they ended up shutting down. But that was a very niche exercise, from my understanding. So I'm wondering if we would see the same thing in the future with Walmart. Potentially, it's it's a it's a nice way of them um, experimenting in an emerging market. Mm. Um, yeah, Walmart have got so they've partnered with Google Assistant, didn't they? And they did the uh, integration with Google Shopping and or, or something similar. Um, so yeah, wouldn't wouldn't that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me at all. But it's also interesting that so I think one thing is we might see is that we might see Walmart, as you say, maybe doing some of that themselves. Maybe it's voice enabling some of their own platforms and and maybe it's trying to do the same thing in terms of taking the kind of ownership of the customer relationship. Mm. more towards themselves um it's almost like you have to you have to be friends with the platforms mm. because that's going to enable access to customers so the mm. google assistant and amazon alexa are going to control access to customers at least in these environments mm. so you kind of going to have to be there but i can't ever stop forgetting the phrase that Joshua Montgomery, CEO of Mycroft, when he was on the mm. podcast, one of the first episodes we did, said that it doesn't matter who you are, one day you're going to compete with Amazon. And mm. so, you know, it makes sense for Walmart and, and the like to invest in their own capability. Same as the BBC, makes sense to invest in your own capability because then you're insulated from from uh, from anything and also you mm. then you own the relationship in your channels. Um, but what I think is another undertone on, on of this uh, announcement this story you mentioned that Amazon's the biggest competitor of Flipkart in India and I think that some of this may be a, a, in reaction to Amazon and Alexa mm-hmm. Amazon Alexa is huge in India you know all kinds of activity going on there. there's a massive community really enthusiastic uh, development community and so there is a huge chance that, that the Amazon Alexa platform in India getting itself established has driven mm-hmm. Flipkart to do this because, you know, we kind of spoke about uh, last week and I know that I've spoke about it on a few webinars if any of, if any of you have kind of caught any, any of the things we've done recently mm-hmm. about how over time people's expectation of what good customer experience looks like changes mm-hmm. And that's driven largely by the people who have access to customers. So it's driven by Google, it's driven by Amazon. People's expectation of what search looks like changed because of what Google did, you know. Mm -hmm. And then that opened up an entire industry, you know. Even Algolia, you know, wouldn't have existed without people having an expectation of what Mm -hmm. good search looks like because Google trained them in how it should work. Same Mm -hmm. thing with Amazon, you know. Amazon trained people on how you should be able to check out on on an e-commerce store, Mm -hmm. how you should be able to find stuff, how you should be able to check out easily, how it should be delivered to you in a timely fashion. Mm -hmm. They've trained people in in what to expect and so the bar goes up. And it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter whether you're a local florist or a, a huge 
grocery or, or retailer or, or a government establishment who's a bit in the dark age. Just none of that matters. What matters is people's expectation of how to interact in certain environments change because of innovation. And I think that that's what is happening right now with Alexa and Google Assistant. And I only say those two because these are the ones that have the adoption in people's homes and on people's mobiles, is that they are training people in what a good customer experience looks like. That's the next mm. generation of expectation that is going to be there. So I wonder whether a little bit of this is driven because people are now expecting to be able to do it and you need mm. to do it because your competitors are doing it. Yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. So I have a question for you, Kane. So I just looked it up and Walmart, uh, Walmart has a lot of uh, house brands, obviously, and they do have a house brand that makes electronics, things like televisions and other uh, electronic uh, devices and accessories. 2025, do you think at that point we have an ONN or that's a Walmart electronics brand smart speaker? Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred One of the other stories that, that was that we actually had on the list was Microsoft filing a patent for mm-hmm. a smart speaker um, recently this week or, or back end of last week, and essentially, you know, the the, the I, I think there's so much abundance. So in terms of the assistants, mm-hmm. maybe they'll consolidate. Maybe mm-hmm. it seems to be the trend that, that technology consolidates, opens up first of all, then consolidates. That's why we've only got a few social media players, we've only got a few uh, mobile operating systems, we've only got a few device manufacturers, etc. Um, but I don't know. I, th- I think in this space at the moment there is there is definite scope because maybe people don't are not a fan of Amazon. Maybe some people don't don't mm-hmm. like Google. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe. So I, I do think there's there's scope, and especially if the use cases for them become so. I actually think the use cases are going to explode. I think they're going to go the other direction. I don't think they're going to get honed in and, and there'll be only music. I think they're going to explode if anything. Um, but if you if you shop at Walmart or you shop at Tesco, then yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think I think there's I think there's scope for it. The, the question is whether whether it's worth investing in your own hardware or whether it's mm-hmm. worth piggybacking on on the existing platforms. I suppose is, mm-hmm. is the question. But I think the opportunity is there. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, it's it seems far fetched today to say that Walmart is going to have their own smart speaker and, uh, and ever, but certainly as AI costs decrease for one, um, and and they become more prevalent. I, I don't see why not. Uh, you know, with Amazon already selling uh, the Echo Spot for what, about thirty dollars, thirty pounds, thirty euros. Uh, you know, the cost of manufacturing isn't that high today and Walmart's always driven by low costs for one. And additionally, again, going back to the AI costs, as that comes down, then it maybe makes a little, a little more sense. So, so maybe we'll see that. Um, I think it's quite interesting. And you mentioned Microsoft with the, with a smart speakers patent. That's, that's something that's interesting to me. I'm not quite sure what the play is there uh, because certainly They've had speakers in the past where they partnered with others, but uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what that is, if it's anything, and maybe it's just a defensive pattern. Who who knows? Um, we'll see. It does remind me the the most interesting thing to this story is that it reminds me my my uh, quarterly reminder of the voice interoperability initiative. Yeah, yeah. Um, have have you seen anything come out of there, Kane? 
No, not yet. Not since the announcement, to be honest. <laughs> we we do know a little bit more in terms of some of the things that have gone on. Into, like, so Salesforce were part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty much led by Amazon, but Salesforce are part of it. Now we're seeing the Amazon Connect contact center software is being integrated into Salesforce. That enables then Lex integration, things like that. But that's mm-hmm. that's a level down, I would say, though. It's not it's not the mm-hmm. access to the assistant level. It's almost the underpinning technology starting to be integrated and working together. So I don't mm-hmm. know if that's part of it. It seems as though it's a bit of a level, a bit of a level down rather than uh, direct access. But that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head that, that that's been going on. Maybe there's stuff going on behind the scenes to try and make things happen. I, I don't know. Have you come across anything? Anything? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, and, and certainly some players like Spotify, you mentioned Microsoft, Salesforce. Um, uh, I mean, there's some others as well that have made some efforts, made some made some moves here, and we're not seeing really anything. So, so we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I, I, maybe it's too early to say, yeah, this is – uh, dead on arrival, but but we shall see. We shall yeah, see. It, it, it's it's interesting. I'm just looking at the page now. I mean, Sonos yeah. are on there. Um, they acquired Snips recently, mm-hmm. so they're going to be building their own voice capability. Orange are on there. Orange have for a long time. They've even got a device I think that's on sale in Spain that's running their own mm-hmm. assistant. Um, but then there's a lot in here that that you don't, you wouldn't really think. Or, or I'm not aware necessarily that would be working on something like Sony. You wouldn't expect yeah. necessarily them right now to have their own assistant. Logitech, they seem more like devices that would house assistants. Um, well, I think that's part of it is is part of this was being able to house the assistants. But mm-hmm. I, I just noticed on here, I didn't realize before that BBC's on here as well, right? BBC um, is listed as, oh, yeah. as a partner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Audi. Yeah. Um, TiVo makes sense for TiVo because they they they're they're running some some decent speech technology as well as we've spoke to Charles Dawes and Patrick Burden of TiVo in the past. Um, yeah, but I don't really see much in the way of interoperability. I see all these, um, I see all these companies making plays, or a lot of these companies making plays, but in terms of interoperability, no, not really seeing much there. You kind of don't. You kind of need to have something to interopera before you have the ability, don't you? Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe it's a long-term play. I don't know. Maybe it's a lot of rubbish. Who knows? Yeah, we, we'll see. We'll, we'll definitely see. That's that's what I come back to is we shall see. Yeah. Um, do we have do we have any other interesting news? Oh, you D-Mind. know, there's one that's... Uh, D-Mind, yeah, D-Mind introduced the new adversarial end-to-end approach to speech to te- or uh, text-to-speech. It's interesting, uh, essentially uh, text-to-speech with less training data and almost the same quality as the state of the art today. But with our last uh, so many minutes, there's one about uh, sound logos. Yes, there is. Yes, the the Veritonic uh, 2020 <laughs> Sonic logo index. Sonic logo. Yeah. yeah. So, what what? So they did the same report last year, uh, and I think they were talking about the the Mastercard um, logo and stuff like that. And essentially, what they do is they every year they assess people's reactions to um, audio logos, and they try and find the best audio logo the best example mm. of an audio logo and we spoke a little bit about you know the bbc and mm. their kind of you know 
going through the the extent that they did to go and find a, a unique sounding voice because we spoke about this often enough on the podcast and, and, and all that kind of stuff and in fact I think we we were talking about sound design I think before it ended up it's, now it seems like a firmly established part of the industry but I remember we've been talking about this for, for ever since we started about how important it is because ultimately it's an audio platform you know and yes we're mm-hmm. dealing with speech and speeches you ask any any record producer and they'll tell you that the, the vocals are just another instrument essentially and that's all mm-hmm. they are um, and so there yeah, this essentially picks out the best performing audio logos Mm-hmm. Uh, in the world and they've split it out actually this time based on the uh, UK and US mm-hmm. and so what we can do is I'll tell you in fact I'll play them mm-hmm. what the, the highest performing ones are and then you can tell me whether you think whether you know what they are how, okay all right. how, how does that sound yeah, it sounds good so the the top honours in the US this was the one that, that was the most recognisable audio logo mm-hmm. in the US Right. Let me uh, let me find it. Where is it? Uh, there's quite a lot. I don't think we're going to get through all of these, but there is. Yeah, let's do a few. Okay. Right. So this one, this one. Where's it gone? This is the top performing audio logo in the US. Liberty, 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 liberty. I've yeah. never heard that before, but I assume it's a Liberty Mutual. Yeah, Liberty Mutual. I mean, that's, that's an easy one. <laughs> I'd never even heard of Liberty Mutual. Uh, okay, the the, the tied um, tied top. Well, actually, it's slightly second. So mm-hmm. uh, this is the next one. Uh, this is US again, number mm-hmm. two most recognizable logo in the US is. Where has it gone? Is it this one? Let me try this one. We are farmers. Also, also an easy one, uh, but it's it's actually interesting. You played uh, before the show. You played nationwide uh, yes. for me, and I thought that was all states. And then I was thinking about it uh, earlier, and I was like, Oh no, no, no! I know actually what all state. I can hear it in my uh, my head. And what I was hearing was actually the farmers one. So, <laughs> so all those seem to run together for me. Maybe it's uh, well, obviously it's just me if those are quite recognizable maybe the, the, the pattern is and, and this is the, the report that, that kind of gets into this is some of the uh, most recognizable ones are ones that have um, words in them mm. and it's yeah, saying that makes sense yeah it's saying it says uh, last year the trend I suppose was word free melodies whereas mm. this year the ones with the actual words in them make more sense and uh, perform a bit better. The, the the one from the UK, there's two from the UK that mm. do particularly well. This one is probably obvious to most people. Mm. That's McDonald's, right? Yeah, McDonald's. That's, yeah. that's the go-to example of, mm. of what an audio logo sounds like. This one's interesting. Uh, I wouldn't have realised that this would have been as high performing, but they do run quite a lot of TV ads. So I don't know if this exists in France or if it exists in uh, the US, but this is the top performing UK audio logo. Hold on. I don't know that one at all. It's Haribo. It's like a a jelly oh, sweet. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, those exist. Oh, they they exist everywhere, but I don't think I've ever seen or heard a commercial for it. Oh, really? They're quite yeah. cool. They they often have adults impersonating kids, so the adults are talking, but it's a kid's voice. 
It's quite quirky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so those are the top performing ones. Uh, insurance, apparently the insurance sector does pretty well when it comes to uh, to to audio logos. And so mm. here is the top performing uh, audio logo in the insurance sector. Now, let's see if you can get this one. Let me just find it. Uh, the, the hard part is, is that they've labelled the actual audio different to what they've called it in the report, which isn't very helpful. Um, but I'm just trying to find the insurance example, which yeah, it's an insurance company that I'd never even heard of, actually, to be honest. So I don't know. Uh, it's a totally different label. Mm-hmm. No. Hold on. No, can't find it. Not on the list. It must be called something different. But one that was underperforming. Mm-hmm. No one recognised it. Let me see if anyone recognises this one. That sounds like a child made it on a toy keyboard it's very somber it's very it somber which is which is a little weird because if you think about the farmers one that you played earlier the nationwide those are a little bit more upbeat or energetic and this mm-hmm. is like yeah someone just died now you need insurance <laughs> or, or something like that not necessarily the, the connection you want to make but what is it well, this one is even worse because it's actually it's the one kind of company that should really give you trust and it should really kind of empower you and make you feel confident and safe. It's HSBC Bank. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could yeah, see that. Really? I, I guess maybe just I'm thinking of insurance. So play that again. Okay. Yeah. I could sort of see it. I can sort of see it. Interesting. One of the- it sounds bank-esque, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. It sounds a little bit kind of like... Um, it is a little somber, though. Yeah, a little somber, yeah. Um, so other other bad performing ones uh, is in the UK. Let's uh, have a look at this one. Any idea? What's that? Ended abruptly. That's, that's Nissan. Okay, yeah. It sounds like a car. Yeah, all the cars are very similar. Here, here's, yeah. here's Audi. Got the heartbeats. Okay. They've all got the same heartbeats. Let me see if uh, K- yeah. Kia's might be the same. Yeah, still got the beat. The, the beats mm. haven't they? They, uh, they need to get someone in there to sort that out because it's all very very similar. But yeah, so uh, it's interesting. So yeah, if you want to check it out, we'll put the link in the show notes. It's it's the Veritonic mm. Audio Logo Index, and it goes into a hell of a lot more detail than we have, uh, and it, it essentially picks out you know the trends around audio identities, which kind of audio logos work well. Uh, all the samples are in there. You can go and listen to them all. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of just picks out what, what the trends are. And if you are thinking about kind of creating an audio brand uh, for your company, then then check it out. You know, it looks at the melodies work well, the spoken language work well, you know, what companies are, are doing uh, good work and things like that. It's a really, really, really worthwhile report because as we said, you know, when you're working um, with, it's an audio medium predominantly, especially with smart speakers and things like that. And, and as we kind of move forward, 
people start to expect interacting with brands in a voice first way and the, the assistants proliferate and they're on more and more devices and they're in headphones and they're on you know, all these kind of different surfaces then the audible confidence that a logo can give you you know when you start interacting especially in, in the early in the early days of interacting with hsbc in a voice first environment where you can't see the screen that gives you confidence you can't see the mcdonald's menu that gives you the confidence that yes this is mcdonald's then the audio logo is the only weapon that you have essentially the only tool rather that you have to to give people that confidence let them know that this is you we're authentic you know we're, we're authentic um, what's the word i'm looking for um authentic um and yeah it, it, i think i think that the the we're seeing a trend now but i think it's only going to get bigger and it's only going to get stronger as, as the years go on one interesting thing about the mcdonald's uh jingle which I found this out actually a couple of months ago and I wanted to confirm it, make sure it wasn't just a, an urban legend. You know who wrote that? I want to say Justin Timberlake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin Timberlake. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he's in the he's in the advert. I don't know if you've seen the, the early adverts yeah, of it. Yeah, Justin, Justin Timberlake was in it, yeah. There's a whole song. There's a whole song behind it. Yeah, apparently. Him and... Uh, him and the Neptunes uh, with Pharrell, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Neptunes are classic. Yeah, I used to love Neptunes. Uh, yeah. yeah, so there you go. So that's the uh, the Veritonic Audio logo index. Um, it's been interesting. So this week there has been a few interesting stories around the audio. So there's been interesting stories around the technology side of things. Mm-hmm. Interesting stories around the the audio, more kind of front end side of things. Um, yeah, so it's 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 interesting. We'll we'll see what happens and what occurs next week yeah yeah so before we close out we do have i'm just looking at my calendar we do have a uh, another live stream tomorrow do we not Kate? we do yes we do good job for reminding me um so yeah uh the so for those of you that have, have come across uh the voxley digital reports that they've been putting out recently so voxley is an agency in uh, in london uh, a voice Alexa skills uh, agency and they put out a few weeks back they put out a report that looked at uh, how families are using Alexa in the COVID period and they just released another one this week which is like a follow-up to that uh, that looks at how established is Alexa and what kind of trends are we seeing with families using it in the household mm-hmm. and also are there any lessons for brands in there so are people you know um what kind of things are they using it for? How are they finding out about new uh, things to try? And, and what are their attitudes towards it? And all this kind of stuff. It's it's fresh, b- brand new data. Some things are um, kind of what we may have seen in the past, but there's some interesting things in there that there's new stuff that we haven't quite covered. So Rosie Meredith, the head of innovation strategy at Voxley, is going to be joining us tomorrow at, uh, I want to say, four, half four. The yeah, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. London, 5 p.m. Central European time, 11 a.m. East Coast time in the U.S. and 8 a.m. So those of you waking up in Seattle or Los Angeles, San Francisco, can listen to us first thing in the morning. And of course, uh, it's recorded, so you can listen to it whenever you want. Exactly, something to eat your breakfast by. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be tomorrow. That we will we'll be delving into that research. We're picking out all of the uh, the insights that that matter to people working in this space, whether you're on the brand side or whether you're on the the design development side, the strategy side. Um, so yeah, we'll see you tomorrow at four o'clock. Uh, and until tomorrow, <laughs> thank you for listening, and see you later.